1: This is Rachel on Recover. We've got a special guest here. He's here to tell us a little bit about himself, and then hes uh, we're going to ask him some questions. This, uh, Jared is going to tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, good morning, Rachel. Um, I'm delighted to be with you today. Uh, I'm Joe Kreisman. I'm a psychiatrist uh, located in St. Louis, Uh, my interest has been in a number of areas, but primarily in areas of borderline personality disorder. And I've been interested in it for a long time, actually been interested in when I was in training, even before it was really defined, uh, which really wasn't, uh, standardized until the DSM came out for the third edition came out in the eighties. Um, but during this time, um, I've written a number of articles and um, and books in the area. The most popular, I guess, is uh, a book called "I Hate You, Don't Leave Me," which is which kind of characterizes the struggles that people with borderline personality disorder have. Um, it's now in its third edition. Uh, uh, most recently, came out a couple months ago. Uh, my other books in the area is, is on borderline personality. One is called "Sometimes I Get Crazy." And then one that came out a couple of years ago, uh, which is unlike the other two, which are devoted towards the general public, but are also well referenced and are used in uh, by uh, professionals. My third book that came out a couple of years ago, uh, talking to a loved one with borderline personality disorder is geared just to the general public in terms of people who are living with someone or dealing with someone with borderline personality and determining ways that it may be helpful um, some years ago, we developed one of the first, I think it was probably the first, um, unit at a hospital here in St. Louis uh, that was meant to be a short-term program specifically for um, borderline personality. Um, nowadays, there are several around the country that are helpful for um, this diagnosis. Okay. All right. Uh,
1: Gerald, we're going to ask you some questions. Um what got you working in the mental field? How did you get into this whole mental health field?
2: In medical school, you rotate through different specialties. And what I found intriguing, uh, I, I really liked several, including pediatrics, neurology, internal medicine. But when I rotated through psychiatry, uh, I found that was the, the one specialty where I was really able to sit down and spend time with a with an individual and really get to know a person. And I found that more intriguing, more interesting uh, to me. So I kind of geared in that direction. Um, in medical school at Cornell, the, uh, one of the uh, professors there was starting to work with, with adolescents that he labeled borderline, even though this was before the term was even acknowledged. Um, And I found dealing with some of these kids was very interesting. And when I did an internship, I rotated through several different uh, specialties, including psychiatry, and that sort of solidified it. And from there, I went on to training at the National Institute of Mental Health in Washington for psychiatric training, and then came back to St. Louis um, for more and have been stay working here uh, since then. And that's been my interest. Um, I got interested in borderline personality because uh, it was an area that wasn't well understood uh, and it was a group, that had, it signified a group of patients who uh, other professionals really did like taking back then. These are patients who had a reputation of being difficult, demanding, um, and way back years ago were thought to be really not very treatable. Uh, but I found them to be interesting, intelligent, intriguing, um, challenging, but uh, kind of uh, exciting to kind of work with. And um, that's when I became more interested and more involved and began seeing more and writing more uh, about about this group.
1: Okay. Um what are some differences with dealing with avoidant attachment style, avoidant uh, attachment disorder for, and versus BPD? And is there, is there a lot of differences or is there a lot of overlap as well? Well, avoidant...
2: When you, when you say avoidant attachment, you're talking about kind of a, a, um, a, a dyad, uh, either attached or avoidant. Uh, and that sort of does describe the kind of "I hate you, don't leave me" uh, persona of people with borderline personality. There, there is a tendency to cling. One of the one of the concerns in people with with this disorder is fears of abandonment. So there's a ten a tendency to kind of want to grab onto people. But at the same time, there's also a fear of being overwhelmed, and being gobbled up. Um, And a lot of it is felt to be precipitated by experiences with attachment issues growing up, um, and sometimes involved with trauma issues in the past. Um, But borderline personality disorder is a reified diagnosis. Um, And attachment avoidance is more of a a, a general term, so they really don't correlate that well. Okay. Um, Well,
1: I mean, I know there's a, there's, an actual uh, avoidant attachment personality disorder, which is different than like a generic um, avoidant attachment style, which can be used commonly among people that just have an insecure attachment style.
2: Well, that's not actually a, there are 10 personality disorders (laughs) and attachment uh, avoidant is not one of them. That's just a term that gets thrown around and means some, I think, different things to different people.
1: Um, Okay. um, You mentioned there's a lot of trauma related to BPD. Is there some evidence that's controversial that uh, BPD is not related to trauma?
2: Many people with BPD um, have a history of trauma in their childhood, Um, but it's not, but there are many. there are many others that aren't. And it gets kind of confusing sometimes because uh, back about 30 years ago, there was a movement that was saying that basically um, borderline personality disorder was really uh, a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. And there's now a, a concept, and again, it's not, a, it's not a, a defined disorder or a defined personality disorder, but some people talk about what's called complex post-traumatic stress disorder where there's a specific Uh, abuse in childhood that has the same symptoms, basically, as borderline personality, tendency to hurt oneself, impulsive mood changes, um, uh, uh, poor sense of identity, difficulties with relationships. But genetically, it's been shown that post-traumatic stress disorder and borderline personality are are genetically different. They are... um, uh, The symptoms can be could be differentiated, so they're they're not they're not the same, and not everybody with borderline personality has a history of trauma. Now, some other people have argued to to look at it in another direction, is that many of the people who are not aware of a sense of trauma in their background really do have a sense of trauma, but they've either blocked it out or they've assumed it's just a matter of well, everybody goes through, everybody has a father who beats them up every once in a while or takes off their belt or uh, has a mother who drinks all the time. And yeah, uh, and they don't acknowledge that there's a sense of trauma. But although tra- a history of trauma in the background of someone with borderline personality disorder is common, it's not a requirement for the- defining the diagnosis. And some people do not acknowledge that trauma. Okay.
1: Okay. Um. I was really interested in your information about ADHD and borderline personality being uh, related. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Well, I think one of the realities of borderline personality disorder is it rarely presents by itself. When someone with BPD asks for help, there's usually a, an accompanying, a comorbid disorder along with it. Um, most commonly, it's depression, uh, often it's anxiety, sometimes it's even bipolar disorder which is different than borderline personality disorder. Um, And sometimes attention deficit disorder occurs comorbidly Um, and sometimes it can be a little difficult to tease out the difference uh, because in both disorders there's a tendency um, people with borderline personality and ADD uh, can be impulsive they often have racing thoughts. They also can have uh, issues of anger. They also can uh, self-medicate with alcohol or other substances. So they have a lot of things in common. Uh, and it is it, there have been some studies showing that a significant uh, percentage of people who have a childhood diagnosis of ADHD um, later on, also fulfill criteria for a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. So they, like with some of the other syndromes, they um, not infrequently do occur together and do have similar kinds of symptoms. There are differences though, of course, in ADD or ADHD, which is basically the same. um, There is not uh, usually a symptom of self-harming, Uh, there usually isn't the same kind of issues with identity, um, there may be some of the interpersonal difficulties, but there are obviously distinctions between those two disorders, even though they may co-occur.
1: Well, because, I mean, ADHD you can see in the brain as well.
2: Well, there are some, um, indications of that, um. Although I don't think that's been totally uh, determined in the same kinds of ways, in the same ways that we can do some of the other things.
1: Hmm. Um, In your book, I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, you mentioned a lot of things that happen, that are happening in the world that are causing an increase in BBD. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think in, in
2: some ways, a lot of our culture is uh, a kind of a border in, in a borderline functioning. The most obvious is the recent pandemic. I think the tendency for isolation and uh, adjustment in life has had a, a significant impact. Uh, people who have been limited in how much they can get out and do the things they can, I think, exacerbates some of the tendencies and some of the symptoms that we see in bpd such as concerns of being alone concerns of being abandoned uh, difficulties with relationships a tendency to self-medicate with drugs or alcohol so it's really kind of worsening um, but i think also our culture tends to be when we look at politics and when we look at so many areas of culture a tendency like uh happens in boiling personality is is a tendency to be extreme. One of the characteristics of BPD is a tendency to see things in the extreme. They love beyond measure people who the next day they may hate without reason. You're my best friend, but then you did one little thing that kind of pissed me off, and so now I hate your guts. It's either, it, things are either black or white, good or bad, right or wrong, extreme. And I think we see that a lot in politics. I think people tend to sometimes tend to act in extreme, in that borderline kind of way. In the legal system, you're either guilty or you're not guilty. There's no kind of in-between. The the biggest problem with borderline personality is the difficulty of seeing the gray zone, the in-between, to sort of accept that there are people that I care for who have characteristics that I don't like. But in borderline personality, you're good or you're bad. And I think a lot of times in our culture, we see things in those extremes.
1: Um, uh, what are your thoughts about the controversial issues of CPD uh, being misdiagnosed as BPD? I'm
2: sorry, swipe what
1: being mis. Uh, controversial issues of CPD uh, being misdiagnosed as BPD. I'm sorry, CPD. CPDSD, like complex post-traumatic, oh, okay. tr- or yeah, yeah. Um,
2: I think it becomes a matter of of lumping or splitting you know you lump them together you split them apart um as i said before ptsd and complex ptsd is different from borderline personality disorder although they they both have often have a history of trauma Uh, people with the with the complex ptsd uh, do have um uh some of the same problems with relationships Um, But I think, basically, um, they kind of meld into each other. And I think it becomes kind of a false distinction. Because if someone who's had that trauma and is having the symptoms of borderline personality disorder, I think it's just less complicated to identify it as borderline personality disorder with with a history of trauma. Um, And as I said before, true PTSD has been determined to be they have to be genetically different, to be biologically uh different. Um and there are distinctions.
1: Um, I guess here's another question. Like with your own personal experience, um, would you say most B P D patients that you work with um are due to trauma?
2: Um, the majority do have a history of trauma. Um Uh, usually in childhood, which usually results in some sense of um, lacking what uh, has been identified by professionals as what's called object constancy, an ability to see some consistency in people as opposed to feeling like things are changing all the time. Um, And I think that's that and, and some of the attachment that is that is consistent and reliable mothering uh, experiences that are consistent and reliable are often disrupted for one reason or another. Um, I think you do see that in the majority. But as I said before, not in all of them.
1: Um, At what age do you feel like, uh, you mentioned your book about uh, BPD starting to mellow out with a lot of their uh, emotions. Um, What like when do you usually see that, if you see it?
2: Well, you first begin to see, although I've had pediatricians who tell me they, they see signs in, in young kids,
1: uh,
2: most often you don't really see the beginnings of, um, of BPD until late adolescence um, or, or into the 20s is when it, it first generally presents itself. Although, you know, some people feel that adolescence in general is an expression of borderline issues. Because indeed, a 15-year-old is dealing with issues of identity, of moodiness, of impulsivity, and so forth. So some people feel that almost being a teenager is redundant to being borderline. But the true, the true borderline that gets interfering comes up in early. But when it's defined officially, it's on a categorical area. In other words, to make the definition to make the, 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 the true diagnostic definition of borderline personality, there are nine symptoms, and you have to endorse five of those nine symptoms. Um, but over time, for most of these patients, uh, those five dissipate. And so starting um, into the 30s, and usually by the 40s, most of these patients are getting significantly better. Some of the maybe self-harming has gone away some of the substance abuse has stopped in which case they no longer satisfy five of those nine criteria maybe they have two or three of them so officially they're no longer borderline so that you, most of the the vast majority and by that i mean 90 percent or more over time starting in around the 40s or sometimes earlier sometimes later um, get significantly better and most get better to the sense that they no longer would fulfill the official criteria for for borderline personality. Now that's an that's not a great way to define it because it's sort of artificial. Because really, it's more a matter of degree. It's more a matter of um, it's not like suddenly you're borderline and then now you're not because this went away. It's more a matter of just how how much is it interfering in your life. And but for most people, they do mature out of it over a period of time.
1: What do you feel is the most helpful tool for those in relationships with individuals with borderline personality?
2: Well, I think, um, uh, and that's what the third book, Talking to a Loved Woman with Borderline Personality, is about. It's looking at some of the symptoms that you see in someone you interact with, um, such as the sort of kind of damn if you do, damn if you don't kind of situation where someone with borderline personality a lot of time will put the person in a situation where there's no good answer. You know, do you like me better in this outfit or that outfit? Oh, you don't like me over here? Oh, I mean, no matter what you say, you're going to get uh, in trouble with. Uh, and I think learning to first recognize that that person just isn't being an evil, nasty person. The person is, is someone who's really struggling with the disorder. So I think first recognizing that a person you're with has some symptoms of a personality disorder uh, helps. And then, and then being able to be patient, being able to see what sort of traps that you sometimes walk into that you don't want to get, uh, that you want to kind of uh, avoid. And there, and there are certain uh, approaches that I describe in my book that are sort of um, a way of just being able to be supportive and empathic with the person, but also not being pulled along uh, to uh, exacerbate their symptoms being able to have some boundaries with them, but also being able to show you that you, you care about this individual and that you understand that they're going through a difficult time.
1: All right. Um, you mentioned in your book that electric shock therapy was no good for those with BPD, but have you heard of much research with dealing with EMD or neurofeedback to deal with trauma that could reduce symptoms of BPD?
2: Well, there's certainly some literature that EMDR... Uh, which has to do with eye movement uh, is a, has been helpful in dealing with, with uh, trauma in some people. Uh, it's very variable. I mean, some studies have shown some help. Some studies have shown not as much help. It has been shown in some cases. Um, there have also been a, some small studies showing that uh, TMS, transcranial uh, magnetic, uh, therapy that's usually been used for depression has been helpful for that. In general, though, um, physical treatments, including medication, and shock treatment, and TMS, have generally had less effect in, in impacting BPD. The most successful approaches have been treatment approaches, and there's a number that have been formalized in sort of manuals that you can present, and those are treatments uh, probably most well known as dialectical behavioral treatment which is a form of of kind of behavioral treatment that's helpful but there are others such as schema related therapy mentalization based therapy that has to do with kind of working on kind of empathizing and understanding the feeling, uh transference focus therapy um, and there's there's a, a therapeutic approach called just good psychiatric management which is basically sharing with the individual who's struggling with bpd uh, what BPD is, how you deal with it, how you, simple ways to deal with emotional impulsiveness, emotional changes, recognizing when there are struggles, and working on techniques to counteract it. Um, but the physical treatments uh, are not particularly helpful except for coexisting issues. In other words, there are no medicines currently available, and it isn't that pharmaceutical companies have not tried, but there are no medications that are available that specifically treat borderline personality. But, many, but most people with borderline personality, as I mentioned before, have a coexisting disorder such as depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, substance abuse, and medicines can be helpful to treat the coexisting symptoms. And things and EMDR can be helpful for treating the trauma part of things. And TMS can be helpful for treating the depression part of things. But generally they're not specific for the BPD, as, at least as targeted as just these different psychotherapeutic techniques are.
1: Okay. All right. Um I guess do you have uh anything else you would like to add?
2: Well, I think the good news is Unlike years before, um, we, uh, when, when borderline personality was, was a disorder that people, that professionals didn't want to deal with, uh, had a bad reputation, and had a stigma that these people were impossible, we now know that pr- the prognosis is very, very good. Most of these people are going to get better. We also know there are specific and targeted treatment programs for people like this. They are not hopeless. They are not. A pain in the neck. There are people who are suffering and who can who can get better and will get better um, over time. And I think hopefully our society has been more accepting of um, seeking treatment. Our biggest problem I think today, especially since with the pandemic, has been the shortage of professionals that are available to treat the various forms of mental illness that
1: in the country. Okay. Um, well, I guess that's it. Thank you for your time, Jared, Gerald, and um, I hope to have you come back sometime. Um, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, tune in next Thursday. Always follow us on your favorite platform for uh, podcast, social media, and. If you have any questions, you can always contact us on rachelandrecovery.com. All right, guys.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.